0: back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and sometimes reading. Uh, I'm Terry.
1: And I'm Mary Beth. This week we are talking about some nostalgic books, an anime, a 90s rewatch, a creepy comic anthology, Terry Makes a Correction, and we have our final Hammer Horror for now.
0: So, a couple weeks ago uh, we had an episode where I mentioned that... Uh, I had never seen the Goosebumps television shows, and because I was I was too old for that. And then Andrew Lesane, uh had tweeted on Twitter, you know, kind of making fun of me for bringing up the fact that I was too old to have watched uh, Goosebumps. And then JD had chimed in with uh, an episode that I should watch, which was the Haunted the Haunted Mask. It was a two parter mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. and so. I had mentioned I will, if you had given me, if you guys guys give me the episodes, I will watch them. And so I sat down to watch The Haunted Mask and I realized I have seen this before.
1: Oh, my God. Stop the presses.
0: (laughs) Uh, The moment the episode starts with the introduction and it's. Uh, Arlstein walking up a hill, and his briefcase briefcase opens, and the pages go <laughs> <Briefcakes. come> flying. <laughs> Briefcases. <laughs> the Sorry. difference between a briefcase what's what's a briefcase and a beefcake? You know, there's you know, one's more office <laughs> friendly, <laughs> I guess. Sure, <laughs> we'll go with that. But the pages yeah. go flying out, and then the camera pans, and there's this delightful music track, and the camera picks up this dog, and the eyes like turn yellow and evil, and I was like, oh god. I have seen this before, and it just hit me that not only had I seen this before, but I had actually seen the haunted mask
1: full of lies
0: <laughs> i' am, my life is is just one big lie. What can I say so but I did watch it, and you know I, it was actually pretty entertaining for uh, nineteen ninety four I believe ninety five I think it came out
1: mm-hmm. Well,
0: show on Fox for kids about this little this little girl who gets scared by two classmates and she's kind of the scaredy cat. And then she decides to take matters into her own hand and she decides to go buy this mask that she can wear for Halloween to dress up and scare her bullies. And she goes to this kind of creepy store and the the store owner refuses to sell masks in the back, but she kind of steals one and throws Throws money in him and leaves, and then she puts the mask on and it doesn't want to come off, and she starts to act differently. It was fun. It was actually quite quite entertaining for uh, for what it See? was. But I have seen it before, so I apologize for being
1: a okay, big liar though. who lies. Big liar who lies. Insert that Kathy Bates gif of her going lies.
0: lies. <laughs>
1: From- <laughs> But speaking of Goosebumps, actually, that is a great way to transition to what I the books I am talking about, because I have gone on a nostalgic book kick, which I've been wanting to do for a while. But then with the announcement of Michael Flanagan uh, (sighs) getting the rights to Season of Passage by Christopher Pike, Mm -hmm. I got the book and then I was on thriftbooks.com and I was like, why don't I get some more Christopher Pike books? And then so I got The Wicked Heart. And The Midnight Club, which were two of my favorites growing up. Um, The Midnight Club is about hospice for young people um, with terminal illnesses. Oh. Um, And they also... They meet every night at midnight. And then they make a pact with each other. uh, that the first one who dies is going to make an effort to get in contact with the rest of them. And then one of them dies. And it goes from there. And then... The Wicked Heart is about a high school senior who was a serial killer. Oh. They're both ph- phenomenal books. But then I also got, okay, R.L. Stein, Fear Street. Love Fear Street. My favorite books were the Fear Street saga, which was The Betrayal, The Secret, and The Burning, which is like the introduction to why Fear Street is so fucked up and it's the <laughs> best. And I got them all and they're like the They're, like, beat up and have the covers I love. And it's, oh, my God. I just, like, I'm hugging them right now. I'm so happy. And also, the season of Passage I'm starting. I've never read this one before. But it's good so far. It's weird. So I'm very excited to read the rest of it. I know that it goes some wild fucking places. So I'm very excited. So, yes, I went book shopping and got all these books. And I'm very excited about reading all of them again.
0: I love that because... I, and bringing up my age again I went from goosebumps. What's my age again?
1: I'm going to put that Bleak 182 <laughs> song What's my age again Every time you talk about like, Either of us though Like either of us Let's be real What's my age again?
0: What's my age again? But you know the thing is is that like this this is something that I'm I'm actually sad I'm really sad that I missed because I went from again goosebumps to going to Stephen King and so I missed the other Arl Stein books and, and I also missed Christopher Pike completely and I've I've never read a single one of the of Christopher Pike's books and I've never read any of Arl Stein's more like uh Young adult, I guess. It would be young adult, right? Teenager? Specific.
1: Yeah, Fair Street was more geared towards teenagers. They're much gorier yeah. and creepier.
0: Yeah, and I miss those. And I I, I feel like I've missed out that I, I and I remember looking out to see if I could find some Christopher Pike books and it, it looked like when I looked they weren't like readily available, but maybe going through some like used shop. What did you say you used?
1: I used thriftbooks dot com okay. and I found them easily and they were okay. like less than they were less than ten dollars.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. The season maybe of cost is a
1: little bit more expensive, but like it's a bigger book and it's a little bit newer. Um okay. but like expensive being like fifteen dollars. Um, but yeah, on thriftbooks.com, they have all of these different Christopher Pike books and Fear Street for pretty cheap. They're like the mass market trade paperback ones that have the really cool covers that I love.
0: Yeah. I remember seeing them in the bookstores. I just, uh, I never, I never took that dough. I never dove in. I don't know why.
1: I mean, I think they're still good now. So I would recommend checking one out if you want to, because I feel like, yeah, they're game. They're aimed at teenagers, but they're pretty, they're, they're well written. Yeah. So, and they're gross. They're gory. At least the Fear Street saga when I remember being gory. So, yes, that. I'm very excited for my new hor- horror nostalgia um, reading list.
0: And there's going to be um, some Fear Street three yeah, films sh- coming
1: out. Yeah, I think there's they're coming out.
0: On Netflix this summer.
1: Yeah, this summer. So I'm very excited for that, too. Yeah,
0: me too. Speaking of books, though, I uh, literally maybe two hours before we started recording got, I had backed this on, on Kickstarter because um, I'm a huge fan of the, uh, the comic artist slash writer, um, Abby Howard, who I've, I might okay. have mentioned on the podcast before she, um, she ha- has written um, a bunch of like really great, Web comics. Um, there's one called mm. Junior Scientist Power Hour that was just like little vignettes that were weird and surreal. There's the Last Halloween, which was a uh, gothic adventure that was kind of geared for young adults and kids, but um, it was it was fantastic. And they she did Kickstarters t- to make like books for him as well. So she has this new book that was just published by Iron Circus Comics. Um, called The Crossroads at Midnight. And it is um over three hundred pages, and it is um five anthology stories centered around. Ordinary objects can become cursed possessions, entities who seem like friends can become monstrous, and those who seem monstrous can become the truest companions.
1: Oh, oh Trevor Henderson also posted about this, I think. And I was so into the cover. Yeah, the cover is
0: fantastic. It's like it's a fence with a hole in it where you see like an eye and there's like three fingers trying to creep through. And it's it's was it was funded on on Kickstarter. And I just got the book and you can also buy it through uh, bookshop.org. And I would really recommend it. I've I've read two stories so far. Uh, The first one that I read was this this woman who finds it's called Mattress comma used. And she finds this used mattress on the street and she's been sleeping on the floor of her apartment. She's kind of like, you know, a student doesn't have a lot of money. And so she takes it home. And the night that she the first night she sleeps in it, she has this dream of this like bulbous sack of a monster that crawls out of the darkness and says, I only want your skin. And then licks her with the like this really rough tongue. And then her skin begins to itch. Um, So there's that story that I've read And there's another one about a lonely lonely Old woman who kind of discovers an unlikely friendship with a bog Body Um, She lives on like the edge of a bog And one night A bog body which is basically someone who's Died in a bog and has become Mummified because of the peat and the moss
1: Ah yes peat moss Mm Mummies
0: And like climbs Comes to her door one night and she strikes up a friendship with her. Oh. And so there's like. Wow,
1: this sounds phenomenal. It's
0: great. I love her. I think she has her art style is really neat. Uh, her writing is she writes really well. She also imbues a lot of her stuff with some really funny moments. Like when when the one woman who that gets the, the used mattress, when she starts to itch and she be, starts getting kind of sick, her roommate like gets one of those grabby arm things and says you must stay three like three feet away and like uses it to like <laughs> tuck her in a night and like comfort her it's so there's like moments of like really kind of silly fun in amongst this really kind of gnarly artwork of of that like creature and stuff and i just i love her work i'm always going to support her because i think she's i think she's fantastic so that's out there to buy i really 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 recommend it from the two comp from the two uh, out of the five stories I've read so far.
1: So what's the anime that you watched? Okay. So Demon Slayer is mm. a cultural phenomenon. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful show. And the movie Demon Slayer, the movie Mugen Train just came out last week. And I got to review it. And it is mwah chef's kiss. I love Demon Slayer. It's so good. And the movie is like a perfect kind of bridge between the first season and the second season. Um, Second season isn't out yet, but it... So it is a canonical film. Mm -hmm. So if you are not familiar with Demon Slayer and the people and the world of it, you will probably understand, like, 5% of the movie.
0: I remember reading this review recently from someone that obviously has no connection to the source material and Mm -hmm. basically spent the review bitching about how it didn't make any sense to him
1: see this is why people who enjoy anime should review these kinds of films because then you get the context because i think the context about this film is really important obviously but it is a continuation of the first season where tanjiro who is a demon slayer and his merry band of weirdos who i love dearly um, aboard the mugen train to meet with rengoku this is a Hashira, which means he is like a very high ranking member of the Demon Slayer Corps. Mm-hmm. And they are basically searching for a demon on this train and it goes some wild places. And it is the animation is like jaw droppingly beautiful. The fights are beautifully choreographed. But what I really love about the show slash franchise slash movie is how they can take these violent confrontations and balance them out with these really beautiful moments of empathy and emotion. And it is like a really awesome look at how to do character development and violence kind of in the same vein, but make it feel really touching and you feel the stakes a little bit harder. So I love the movie and it definitely continues to do that. So Demon Slayer is only 26 episodes long. So I, and it, even if you're not a huge anime fan, you'll love it. It's like a quintessential shonen, which is male oriented, like manga with a much more empathetic twist. So again, if you don't like anime or aren't a huge anime aficionado, this is a really good one to watch.
0: Is it, uh, is it streaming anywhere?
1: The movie is, you have to, the movie is only in theaters.
0: Right. And but it's coming to VG sometimes. Yeah, it's on Hulu.
1: So yeah, if you have Hulu, watch it on Hulu. It's great.
0: Awesome. I've been hearing a lot about about it. And um, I, I'm not I'm not a huge anime fan. I have enjoyed mm-hmm. a lot of the anime that I've seen, but I've never really done more than just kind of dip my toes into it. I mean, I, when I say dip my toes, it's been like <laughs> Neon Evangelion <laughs> and uh, Cowboy Bebop. And there was some fantasy one. I don't remember what it was called that I that I watched in high school. So, I mean, I've seen some, but I just haven't committed to it i guess
1: you've seen some classics though
0: yeah i mean those those are two that people talk about a lot
1: yeah so i mean if you want to i would check out demon slayer you've also done a 90s rewatch what is I the did. film that you have rewatched i wanted to hear
0: so i was chatting with valeska and brian christopher uh valeska mm-hmm. was, has been a guest on the show and, and spoiler alert brian is going to be a guest on our show uh sometime hopefully in may and we, we we sat down and watched together a movie back in, in like January. And we were like, this was kind of fun. We should do like another 90s rewatch. And then, of course, festivals happen and all this kind of, you know, planning came up and failed. So we finally sat down and watched the second movie that we were going to plan to watch. And it was To Die For. Have you
1: seen this before, Mary Beth? No, I have not.
0: It, I love this movie so much. It, it's Nicole Kidman. It's a Gus Van Sant movie. It has Nicole Kidman in in it. It has Matt Dillon, Joaquin Phoenix, Casey Affleck, (laughs) (laughs) Ileana Douglas, um, like just a bunch of bunch of fantastic actors and Casey Affleck who um, are it's based off of this book again called To Die For that itself was inspired by the story of Pamela Smart. Who was an American woman who was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder, witness tampering, and an accomplice to first degree murder. Uh and that I don't know if you remember that at all, Mary Beth, because that I that was in 1990 when that happened.
1: I do, I am not familiar, no. Yeah.
0: I figured. But um I'm only bar- <laughs> well, I'm only bare I say that because I'm uh, only barely familiar I'm with scared. it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What's my age again? What's my age again? Again. Um, oh, no, I, just, again. <laughs> I say that because I'm I'm barely I it's like on the periphery of 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 my of my remembrance. And it's only because of watching this movie that I remembered it. And it's basically about this young woman who wants desperately wants to be on the news and wants to be like a, um, a news reporter and be famous. And she starts to do this quote-unquote documentary on teenagers, hoping that, like, it will turn into something, uh, you know, big and and starry for her. And while she's doing it, she decides that she doesn't like her husband and tries to convince one of the teens to murder him.
1: uh, Okay. That's not what I thought you were going to say. So, cool. (laughs) Um, Is it an erotic thriller? Um... Is it erotic? <laughs> I don't think it's erotic. Um, the only reason I ask is the poster on the letterbox is her like in like a blue light. Oh, with, like, I a, know. Titties out and about to take off something. And I was like, oh, this is totally an erotic thriller. I mean, I I I, yes, I, I think to a
0: degree, like I don't find it erotic. Okay. In the same way that a lot of erotic thrillers of the nineties were were doing, but mm, it is mm-hmm. It is about a woman that uses sex to basically manipulate uh, a young Joaquin Phoenix, who's a teenager, oh. Oh to God. kill her husband. Um,
1: I need to watch this absolutely immediately. Every All the reviews are saying that it's like the precursor to Gone Girl and Amy Dunn. And like oh yeah. Nicole Kidman is like the reason why her, her performance was so good. And I was like... Well now I definitely need to see this movie.
0: I mean this is Nicole Kidman at the top of her game. She is absolutely phenomenal <gasps> yes. in this movie, like just oh, she is so fucking good. And this movie is is so funny. It's a dark comedy. It's 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 played almost like it's it's played it's almost like a documentary itself where it's like something has happened. They're interviewing people and trying to and the, through these interviews and through like Kind of flashbacks to what was happening. You kind of piece the story together of, of oh, how it went together. Oh, okay. And it's it's really fucking good. I Fuck I hadn't yeah. seen it in like I don't know, maybe fifteen or twenty years, but let me tell you, it holds up. It is phenomenal, and I definitely recommend giving it a check.
1: Hell yeah! Okay, I was on my watch list, but this gives me even more of a reason to watch it.
0: It's so good. It's so good. Fuck yeah.
1: All right. You're on to our final hammer (sighs) horror film. And what a movie to end it on. What a fucking movie to end it on. We watched Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde from 1971. It is obviously a play on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but Dr. Jekyll turns into a woman who he says is his sister, Sister Hyde. And... Wow, I love yeah. this movie a lot. This movie is really fucking good.
0: <laughs> it it really is. I was surprised at how at how good of a Doctor Jekyll story it is. But also, you texted me, Mary Beth, about another connection.
1: Hmm. Oh yes. So basically, Doctor Jekyll and I guess Sister Hyde at this in this film, Doctor Jekyll is Jack the Ripper,
2: <laughs> and.
1: Yep. It's very funny cuz this stands in contrast to the hands of the of the ripper <laughs> what we watched last week that was like so not a jack the ripper film at all but this one is 100% like he lo- he kind of looks like he's got like that vibe that they think he looked like he mm-hmm. removes um sex worker sex organs for his experiments and so they give a reason as to why he is taking reprodu- female reproductive organs and killing these women and it is to make a elixir of life that provides eternal life. But <laughs> well, it it doesn't. It it makes him transform into a lady who likes to murder.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh
1: my god. It's just like well so we wanted to mention this off the bat that this is written this movie, this film is written about and talked about a lot by trans writers because this is a very like trans story, a man turning into a woman, a lot of these interesting identity stuff. But, you know, a lot of trans people are writing about it and reclaiming it as a really awesome like a really interesting case of a trans narrative in a film from the 70s. And I know that Drew a friend of the show who was on the episode about Psycho, she has named her art company, her art business, Sister Hyde. And she put it on my radar because she's mm-hmm. a huge fan of this film. And I was really happy that she turned us on to this and gave us the best recommendation.
0: Yeah. And then uh, for the, um, I wanted, I think it was the inaugural issue of We Are Horror, the e-magazine that I'm, I'm an editor for, Harmony uh, Colangelo wrote, a really good article about it. And uh, I just wanted to quote this little brief passage. You should absolutely go read this, this article, but it's after drinking his potion for the first time, Jekyll is not terrified at the sight of his new image as a woman, a fact that contrast with how most horror transformations play out. In fact, he is delighted by his feminine state in a way that no 100% cis man ever would be. Finally free. The doctor examines her new body in a state of shock and euphoria. She touches her face and and new frame while giddily laughing. It's this moment without even reading this, this moment, like just sort of brought a smile to my face watching in the film because I was like, oh, I can see why this resonates with a lot of a lot of uh, trans people here, because this is it doesn't necessarily villainize the 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 trans perspective. It is just that she happens to be a femme fatale as well.
1: Yeah, and that's what I loved about it, because Dr. Jekyll is already a murderer when he turns into her. It's not like when he transforms into a woman, he becomes a murderer. Mm -hmm. He's already killing people and killing women. Mm -hmm. And so that I really appreciated. And it's like not necessarily making a woman a villain because they're already villains. Like, it's not. Yeah, and I really vibed with that and i also love that it's a female killer i love movies with like femme fatale female killers in her review of this film on letterboxd drew wrote that she is the best vampire of all time and i love that <sighs> she, she talk about her as a vampire because it's so fucking true how she is like kills kills women for blood because the blood and the organs are what keep her alive and keep Mm -hmm. her coming back and she basically needs blood to survive and it's such a fucking cool examination of that so drew big shout out for putting that on my radar it is such an amazing look at what's at this film and i think that it is a really interesting look at like what harmony said it's like it's not necessarily fear of the woman it's fear of the murder, mm-hmm. and it's not that he's disgusted that he's becoming a woman. It's that he just doesn't want her to kill kill people kill <laughs> not even kill people kill the people he want he loves like the, the young right. virgin neighbor upstairs. Like he doesn't necessarily think that what she's doing is wrong. No, well, he, I- like she's doing the same shit that he was doing.
0: Yeah, and speaking of. <laughs> the neighbor from upstairs dude has the nosiest and horniest neighbors.
1: I swear to God. Like they're always like, I can hear you downstairs. And like when at one point sister Hyde is having a little fun with the upstairs neighbor, who's a man. And then his sister knocks on the door and is like, Howard, Howard, are you in there? And I was like, cock block. Cock block. I was so mad. But then I also was I don't know. But that was I was like these people need to get out. Like he, those are the worst neighbors to have in general. But like with what yeah. he is doing in his own house or his apartment, like oh my he's god, just like
0: I'll, walk in a few times. Like
1: I also <laughs> love that he's doing this in an apartment. Like it's not a house; it's <laughs> a shared. Oh, it's like it's an apartment, and I'm like you're really asking for some trouble there, my friend.
0: Seriously, he does also wear the most fabulous robes.
1: He does, and I love his haircut. <laughs> his little bob. Yeah. It's a very cute. But this, I'm so glad we ended on this note, because I think what this is my note. favorite. Yes, on a high note, because this is my favorite one we've watched. I think it is a really good story. I think it's navigating of gender politics is like really fascinating and surprising for 1971 British horror film and the, and the Hammer Horror. I think it does a really interesting job of incorporating jack the ripper into the story of dr jekyll and sister Hyde. i think it is beautifully shot beautifully designed i think it's well written and like i this is just such a good film
0: i completely agree this i'm glad we ended on this i think it's probably for me neck and neck with curse of, of frankenstein in terms of my favorite of the ones we've seen but my god this this when they when hammer nails it they really fucking nail it and
1: Seriously, they really fucking do.
0: This one was such a joy to watch. It wasn't, unlike some of the ones we've watched. There's, it wasn't slow at all. I thought it moved really fast. I thought, and it just was interesting the entire time. Let alone the fact that we we're adding the kind of queer lens that that we're v- trying to view it through. It's a good. It's a good uh, Jekyll and Hyde story. i I really. I yeah. I really it like. It really this one. really
1: is so we are moving we are not watching hammer horror each week now now we are starting a new journey
0: Hmm. i am excited uh to to change things up and go decades into the future from the 1960s and 70s this was a suggestion by tony kaufman on on twitter and it's The moment he said it, I was like, oh, yes, I'm going to talk to Mary Beth and we're going to see if I'll see if this is something that'd be up her alley, because I'm really excited for it. And you were really excited for it, too. So we are going to go through the remakes of the early aughts. And we're going to start with Alexander Aha's The Hills Have Eyes from 2006.
1: Is it Aha or Aja?
0: We're starting with Alexander Hachas "The Hills Have Eyes" from 2006. I don't know, actually. I think I it think is Aja. Aja.
1: If his name, if his last name was Aha, I would die. That'd be so funny. But you know, I think <laughs> anyway. I said
0: that because I, I, think that's how they would. I think that's how you say it in Spanish. It would be Aha.
1: Oh yeah.
0: I don't know why It was in the back of my mind, but anyway,
1: I am so pumped for this because there are lots of these movies, including "The Hills Have Eyes," that I have never seen and have wanted to watch for a long time. So this is going to give me the motivation to do it. I think these are going to be really fun, probably a little bit stupid at some points, but and gory, but I'm so excited that we are doing this as our next kind of like series of movies to watch.
0: Yeah, and like um there's a couple that I haven't seen, but even the ones that I have seen it's been probably since the release, since I've seen it. Like, I don't think I've seen The Hills Have Eyes since probably the theater. And so I'm curious to revisit them with, you know, gosh, that was 2006. So, like, you know, 14, 15, you know, years later.
1: Oh, my God. Wait, it's celebrating its 15th anniversary, not 15th. Yeah, 15th anniversary this year.
0: Oh, shit. It is, isn't it?
1: Huh. Weird. Well, Random. I'm very excited. This will be very fun. Yeah. So... And who are we talking to on Monday? Oh, my God. This episode is uh, a fucking riot. We are talking with Powell Robinson and Patrick R. Young. They are the filmmakers behind Threshold, which will be streaming on Arrow on Monday, May 3rd. And we are talking about whew. Michael Haneke's Funny Games, the 2007 whew. version. And somehow we make it funny and fun <laughs> and and intelligent. So get ready for an absolute riot of an episode. These guys were so fun to talk to. So excited for y'all to to, I, to listen.
0: I don't think either of us have laughed as much as we have in this episode. Like no. the, the amount of times that we literally went off the rail. What is just it, this was a really fun episode. Uh, yeah. It's just How- tickled me. <laughs>
1: Pal and Patrick have an amazing relationship in chemistry, and it just made it all the more fun. So very excited for y'all to hear that on Monday. Um, but listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch one of the films that we watched this week and have thoughts? Do you have, any, do you have any other ideas of movies that we should watch as part of our journey through the aughts? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McGanders
0: and I'm a gaily dreadful.
1: And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarred podcast.
0: And please don't forget to review rate and subscribe. We actually did get a new review in from someone named Tony from Chicago. And I love the review and I'm both really appreciative of you. So thank you.
1: Yes. Thank you, Tony from Chicago. It means the world to us. Um, So thank you to Eric power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.